0: March has arrived and are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to bet online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 bracket madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, The NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. We are brought to you today by Bet Online. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show, and thank you to you for joining us on the episode this week. And let's bring in the new regular co-host of Bulls HQ, Fred Fifer. Frederick, how are you, sir?
1: Oh, I've been better, Mark. Today was a rough day, and my voice is uh, not good, not due to illness, but due to yelling, as we had three straight basketball games playoff games. We lost two, won the last one, but uh ended a disappointing season overall probably for my son, but uh and his team. I mean my son had a good year, but the team uh did not f- we finished with a whimper instead of a bang, put it mildly. <laughs> a lot like my beloved f- Bulls, so you know. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm tipping your 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 son's uh what, what how old is he? What like twelve or something? He's uh eleven years old and about three weeks
1: ago he hit three threes in a quarter he had 11 points yeah. in a quarter that was pretty much the highlight of my life so far I mean the three-point <laughs> shot means a lot to me it's one of the most important things in my life and to see my 11 year old son hit three in a row in about a four minute period I just started openly weeping on the bench and now I was actually the <laughs> the head coach for that game uh, I was the, uh, the head coach of, uh, our, I'm the assistant for his travel team and the head yeah. coach was out of town and so I was as the head coach for that game when he hit the the three threes in a row to give us like a, you know, a 12 point lead and just, you know, my feelings about my son, about the three point shot was just too much for me.
0: So am I fair in saying you were the Boylan to his Archie Diakno?
1: <laughs> God. How dare you?
0: <laughs> just I'm just saying Boylan started as an assistant coach, eventually made his way to head coach. His son is on the team in the Bulls in Archie Diakno, who, who, He's not a great shooter, but he's hit, he's hit a few threes every now and then, and I'm just trying to find a similarity. Is is that a fair parallel at all? No, it's
1: not remotely fair. I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm actually hard on my son, and I I, I, I uh, demand uh, greatness from him. Like, uh, unlike unlike Jimmy, <laughs> seems to bask in every you know minor achievement. You know whether it's tying his shoes or diving on the floor. It's, it's a joke. You know, so, well, I'm,
0: I mean, look, this is a perfect segue into into the Bulls. I mean, we should probably talk some Bulls. We'll, we'll, we'll close the show not talking about Bulls because we definitely don't want to be talking about our crappy Bulls for too long. But I guess the segue here, Fred, we can, we can leap into the Bulls next game because they have just sort of finished playing. We, we got done watching some of that game because to be fair, we didn't want to, want to put ourselves to too much of that. But. To that point, Coach Boylan benching his son, Ryan Archidiacino, he was starting as small forward for the Bulls, but Shaq Haribus Harrison got the start against the Knicks. Not that it really made much of a difference because the Bulls continued their losing ways. I think one and one and eight or one and nine or something like that in February. Definitely not the same February as as was the case in twenty nineteen. Just a deplorable February for the Bulls, unfortunately, ends to a another loss to the Knicks, which was not not pleasing to see. So Shaq Harrison getting the star for Archie Diakono, Fred, was that the right decision? Of course it wasn't.
1: It's a total <laughs> joke. I come home and you know I'm in a bad mood after the 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 three two out of three losses. And I go, all right, I'm about ready to go to the podcast, family. Why don't you go off and let me give me some time here to watch the my <laughs> beloved Bulls? And already I'm PO'd because he's starting Shaq Harrison. Shaq Harrison's a nice kid. He's 26 years old. He's gonna be twenty seven next year. Uh, what the heck are we doing signing a guy who's probably really a G-League talent? He'll be in the G League in the next two years. Shaq Harrison's not gonna be anywhere near this team when this actually decent. And he starts Shaq Harrison, who's his other, you know, favorite son on the tight between him, Cornette, and Arch, you know, the, the three his his trio of favorite, you know, sons that he likes to play catch with the football with. Um so I'm P.O.'d with that. First thing Carter's back, right? What what what's the first play that they do? Let's throw it to him in the post like it's 1989. You know, <laughs> back to the basket. So already after that, when I line the the remote off the at the couch, next time down and a couple other things really pee me. The first guy, the first guy off the bench is his son. It's not Kobe White who's got 30 <laughs> points. The last, thir- you know, the first rookie in NBA history to have 30 in a row for three straight games. He brings his son <laughs> off the bench first. I mean. You can't write this stuff, Mark. This is like, it's just mind-blowing how, how how moronic this guy is. And the team overall, too. Like, Dad Young's a, a vet, right? Dad Young in Q1, we tell our kids, our fifth graders, you do not fall for head fakes if the player still has the dribble. I mean, this is what we're telling fifth graders. And if they fall for a head fake and get off their feet and allow a, a, dr- a blow-by because they get off their feet, they're out of the game. Dad Young falls for a head fake by... Julian Randall, to his credit, that points to the bench. My bad, my bad. This is a vet. Like, you can't be doing that. Like, I don't – this team is just beyond frustrating to watch. It makes me sick. Um, and this is really probably a low point for me, Mark. I'm going to admit, I, I have not really enjoyed a lot of games this season, watching them, especially lately. Uh, and there's a, you know, a couple reasons why. But I go back to the, the first three years under Floyd when we won – You know 13 17 15 games over the course of a season this is as bad as it was then this is I I get sick nauseous watching how bad this team is and even the great Kobe White isn't enough to make me feel good about it
0: yeah look it was funny because before the game when I heard Wendell was coming back and maybe for you Denzel came back in this game too I thought okay maybe the Bulls might be slightly more watchable but yeah, that wasn't really the case. I mean, you mentioned the first possession that that Wendell had when he came back. They posted him up, a little lefty runner over Taj Gibson, which uh was definitely never going in. <laughs> that was an annoying play to see. Wendell was decent in his return. Rusty, as you'd imagine, 6 points and 9 rebounds in 18 minutes, but still rusty. I did not like the shots he was getting slash taking. Uh, you know, they they weren't good shots that he was ne- necessarily getting. Denzel had a nice little run there in the second quarter, which I thought you might like. But beyond that, I mean, this was a tough game to watch. And Zach and Kobe did their thing to a degree, but certainly not to the same level they were doing it in the prior couple games. But... Yeah, the Bulls are just a tough, tough watch now. They're 20 and 40 right now, Fred. 20 games under 500. I did not expect that to be the case as we're entering in March now. I mean, I always expected this February, March, April schedule part of the schedule be to be tough but to be 20 games under 500 at this point despite the east remaining terrible i mean the nets and the magic are just openly giving away the seventh and eighth spots in the eastern conference playoff chase at the moment but those teams don't even want to make the playoffs but the teams below them are so bad that they can't even get near it anyways it's just a it's been a, it's been really rough watching the bottom of this eastern conference this season
1: and then we got a thousand injuries too but like I keep on going back to this. Zach Levine's our best player. He's been healthy for the last ten games. You gotta be better than one and nine in your last ten against some of the, the you know, the the dirt the dirt competition they've played. These are not good teams they're playing. The Knicks are not a good team. Like you should win tonight. Um it, it and you're you have more talent than the Knicks. And I mean they just got just it just the first quarter was the disgrace, and you know, looking over the numbers too. Valentine plays ten minutes. Ryan A plays twenty. And I can't take this stuff anymore. It's just such. It's so stupid. It's beyond stupid. He starts Shaq Harrison. Like really? Like the first play of the game, uh, I said you're not helping the development. I I, I tweeted this out. I encourage people to go look at it. It was two to two. Or it's not the first play of the game. In the first few minutes of the game, it's two to two. Shaq Harrison's standing at the three point line, top of the key. They do a pick and roll with Wendell Carter Jr. and uh, Alfred Payton's guarding Shaq Harrison. He just peels right off him, just ignores him like he's not even there. You know, like a uh, like he would, you know, just any stranger on the street. And he, he just runs and and he and he ruins. He breaks up basically. Breaks up a pick and roll for Wendell Carter Jr. You want to help Wendell Carter Jr.'s development. You don't help it by starting a 26-year-old Jack Harrison who doesn't draw who draws less attention than, you know, than a, a scarecrow who draws flies. It's just it's outrageous, man. It's just it, it's so sick and nauseating. I don't even know what to say anymore. It's just so frustrating, Mark.
0: Yeah, I certainly hear, and I mean, the Bulls were just completely dominated in the glass. The, the Bulls had 33 total rebounds, whereas the Knicks had 33 defensive rebounds. The Bulls were out-rebounded by 17. They allowed 76 points in the paint, which is a season high for the Bulls, Bulls opponents, which is obviously terrible. The Bulls or the Knicks snapped a six-game skid. And, and like I said, now the Bulls are 20 games under a 500. And the schedule, If can I just read off the schedule or some of the schedule, for it to you in March? And I'll go from about March 14 or so. So the first game, March 14, they're at Miami. Then they got... Boston the night the next night after then they play Miami again they're at the Spurs then they play the Houston on the on on the road as well then they've got Denver Philadelphia they face the Knicks again before going on a West Coast road trip against the Jazz Nuggets Suns Clippers and Lakers so I mean that's the run that they have between sort of March 14 to let's call it April 8. It's a, it's a run of maybe 10 to 15 games where it's absolutely brutal. They might win one, maybe two games. So to your point before where they've been playing some bunny teams the last few weeks, they needed to be better than one and nine, even with the injuries, because I mean, they should have beat some of these teams regardless. But if we're thinking about the road ahead, there's not many more wins left on the season schedule. So to think how bad things have been just yet it could get even worse which is i guess which is tough to hear and tough to talk about at this point given how bad the rest of the season's been but can i read you a, a, an interesting tweet that i saw that uh, come across the timeline, friend? i want, i want to read the, this one to you and i want to get your reaction to it i have no idea who this is but at david scott 19 shout out to david if he's listening he's probably not but just in case he is he, he sent this one to waddle and sylvie he said the knicks one gutted their roster to make room for free agents two Landed no significant free agents. Three, fired their coach for underperforming, even considering their lousy roster. Four, fired their president and general manager. Five, are only two games behind the bulls. Is is that dark or what given that all that has happened with the Knicks then how bad and how much of a laughing stock they are, that they are only two games behind the bulls. <laughs>
1: Oh, come on. Let's not get too crazy here. I mean, listen, as bad as things are, as bad as things are, we're not the Knicks. Like, I understand they're playing a little bit, but they haven't had nearly the injuries we had. And I kind of brought this up. I'd like to get your opinion on this on Twitter. I tweeted this out earlier. Would you be happy with the starting lineup of Kobe White, Levine, Otto Porter Jr., Laurie, and Wendell Cutter Jr. on opening night in 2020, assuming a new GM is in place? I tweeted that out. Um. Yes, I like that group. Uh, fifty-seven percent said yes. No, I need a lineup change. Forty-three percent. Yeah, I I, I kind of like that group. I still believe. I don't. First of all, I don't think they can make many moves. Number one, and I like to see them run out with that lineup next year. What say you?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I want to talk about Kobe White starting more in depth, and I'm probably more thinking about Kobe starting the rest of the season. But if we're talking about next season. I don't mind it. It's worth the experiment. I probably have zero faith in Otto Porter at this point, given what he's played 25 games for the Bulls at this point, 24 games, something like that. He's only played nine this season. Who the hell knows if he even comes back this season? It's its not looking great. I mean, maybe he plays a, plays a few games towards the back end, but I guess at that point, what would be the point? But uh, I I th- is it weird to think that Otto Porter might be the winkest link in that group going forward, which is probably something I wouldn't have said this time last year, but he's probably the biggest what if to me in that lineup, considering, considering the injuries that he sort of had this season. But yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting lineup. It, it would be dependent on the bench as well, because this, that lineup it doesn't have a lot of scope for, for, um, for a high ceiling there. So you would need to build a really depth, a nice depth team to, to maybe so, just in case injuries were to strike again, that way you maybe have to go 10 deep bat 10 deep with that sort of starting lineup. That way, if you were to have a few injuries, you can sort of overcome it, unlike this season. But yeah, I mean, there's some scope for potential for that lineup, but based on how things have gone this year, I can't get too excited about it.
1: I don't know about that. Like, I still think it's a, it's a little bit unclear where this group is going to be. But the last three games, four games, I don't see how, how can you not be excited by what Kobe White has done? How can you not be excited by what Zach Levine has done for much of this year? On the offensive end, that's going to be an exciting backcourt going forward. I disagree with you about Otto Porter Jr. We know what Otto Porter Jr. is exactly what he is. He's an off-injured good three, who's who's rarely available, but when he plays, he's good. He'll he'll hit a lot of threes for you. He's pretty good on both sides of the ball, but that's what he is. I don't know what Larry Markkinen is anymore. I'm so confused by him in this season. I, I feel like I know him less than I should. And I think I know who Wendell Carter is. I like, I have a lot of confidence in Wendell Carter as a defensive, uh, just a great defensive player for the next 10 years. So I'm not really worried about him. I'm not worried about Zach or Kobe. It's Lori who I have more questions about. But, you know, big picture, I do want to say, and I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit like, what's the purpose of playing Otto? I am very, very uh, big on if that guy's available, he's got to play. Because by putting Shaq Harrison at the three, or Ryan A, or these other these other jokes who are G level, G League level talent, I think you can do a lot more harm to development of these core four players than help. In fact, I think you can seriously hinder their development. And I think by playing a player like Lotto could, uh, Otto could significantly help their development, help them help them build confidence. You know, compete in these games, win, and, and really set the tone for a solid off season, as opposed to keep on going down this route and just in tanking, like there's nobody worthwhile to tank for. It's not like, it's not like Zion's out there. Like, so me, I think you got to play as, as well as possible uh, and and play for wins as opposed to just tanking for the rest of the season.
0: What say you? Look, I'm not thinking about tanking at this point, but it's funny you say that, Fred, because after this loss, now that the Bulls sit at 20 and 40, they happen to have the seventh worst record in the league. So maybe we need to update the mantra to something. (laughs) I don't know, seventh seed or seventh pick in 17, seventh pick in 18, seventh pick in 19, possibly seventh pick in 20 as well. So uh, that's seventh number, Fred. It definitely haunts you, but not to the way that you would hope it would, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't, I don't know if they should be taking. They probably don't really need to ta- to tank because I, I look, I just went off the schedule before. I ran that off before. They're probably organically going to lose a, t- a bunch of games here, so they don't necessarily have to tank it out to really end up with a a bottom five to seven record or something of that nature. So, yeah, it's it, it's a weird one. Uh, I I understand your point, but. I don't even know what the hell is wrong with Otto at this point. I think they've been so cagey about this whole thing that I have no confidence that even if he was to be coming back and to be pushed back into the into the lineup, that he would actually be okay. Because I mean, Zach tweaked his his quad before the next game. Apparently, Kobe White tweaked his back before practice the other week or the other day, rather, before the next game. He apparently was okay, hence why he played in this game. But. I'd have zero faith in the Bulls medical team at this point, to the point where if Otto was cleared to come back, are we even sure he's healthy to come back and ready to play? I don't know. So I've got zero faith in that whole process.
1: Yeah, they got to be all fired. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I know it's probably not their fault. I know, it but at some point when you have three consecutive seasons of injury after injury after injury, somebody's got to take a fall for this, right? It can't, it can't be just, let's just run back the same medical group. Come on, I, this is a bizarre world we're living in here somebody has there's got to be changes going forward and there better be significant ones and because this is this like I said this is not as bad as it was under Krauss those first three years with the fifteen seventeen thirteen wins but it's it's pretty close it's it's a poor man's version or a rich man's version of that where I just I, I can't recall ever being this disappointed in uh in a team and it's the same it's the same song it's the same song everybody's heard it again somebody's got to there's got to be massive changes no doubt about it I'm on board brother
0: you're on board Well, can you say the words fred
1: Not yet I don't want to do that yet cuz I'm not I, I find that just uh I I don't like to just blindly run with the crowd I think that's uh not cool and uh I don't like I I know you've been doing a great job you know handing out torches Handing, <laughs> handing hand out. Uh, what do they say? The torches and the. What's the other term they use? They hand out, handing out torches, oh, I don't know. Hand, Tiki off.
0: torches? What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> you know, you know what they say, like Portrait, they,
0: up, uh, pitchforks,
1: pitchforks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> handing out pitchforks. I know you're doing a great job with the mob, but you know, it, I, I think it's just it's clear there's going to be changes. I'm not saying firing, uh, but there's going to be changes, and there should be. And it's going to be someone else making decisions. We talked about that last week. If anybody wants to listen to that again, go run back. I don't want to play that game again. Play that tune.
0: Well, I kind of want to play that game again. I mean, you said you're on board. You said you're on board. And, I mean, Paxton being demoted to some other position or going back into some other position, that's technically kind of like firing him, sort of. So just, just say the word. Why words don't we for- start
1: talking about Kobe White? Should he be starting or not? Because I think this is a good topic we haven't touched on yet. Can we talk about well, that? <laughs>
0: We, we, we can certainly talk about that. But let me leave you with this quote, Fred, from John Paxson. And this one came from in April 2019, talking after the ball season last season. He said, I think our training methods are excellent if the players will buy into them. I'm confident in our training methods. I would like to see our players in this building adhering to that. Now, given how bad the run of injuries have been this season, I can only, I can only come away with two thoughts after that. One, Either the Bulls' medical staff and their methods and their training methods are terrible, which probably most likely, or the two, the Bulls' players didn't adhere to their methods and their training methods. So one of two things. Either way, it doesn't paint a pretty picture. But yeah, I just thought I'd leave on that note. What any thoughts on that for anyone <laughs> before we, we can transition I, to? I,
1: I agree. Listen, we're both simpatico on this. There so needs, to be, a, there needs to be there needs to be a new decision maker next year. I do, I'm not going to say John Paxson, who's a legend, needs to be fired. <laughs> in fact, I do value his opinion. Just let him go off to a different spot in the organization and bring in a new person to make decisions. If they want to bring me in, I think that'd be a nice, a nice way to start. The first thing I do on day one is I call Jim Boyle in my office, tell him to get out. He's fired. That's step one. Uh, and then I tell him, don't leave anything either. Just get out and I don't ever come back here again. And then I mail him all his stuff. The second thing I'd do, well I'd I'd call Jim back and say, well, hey, I, f- I forgot to tell you something. Then he'd come back in the office and I'd tell him you're fired again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I in fact I'd rehire him just to fire him again. So that's number two. <laughs> I'd uh definitely start I'd fire some announcers. Uh not Stacy King, I like Stacy. I don't know. I think I I think I'd be very good at this job. I'd sign Denzel Valentine to a long term deal. I'd uh, yeah. start interviewing coaches. Tom Izzo, maybe. I don't know. I think I'd be great.
0: Yeah, you'd, you'd be you'd be clearly terrible at that job. But uh, all right, let's clearly move on to starting Kobe White. So this has been a, a talking point over the last maybe one to two weeks amongst Bulls fans, and I understand why it is a talking point. There's not much going on, and coinciding with that, Kobe White is going off. Like you mentioned before, he had three straight thirty-plus point games. The Bulls, as well, were starting Ryan now at small forward. So, I understand why this was a conversation, but I have been adamant in my position that Kobe White should not be starting. He should be coming off the bench. I think that is the right decision. I hate starting with Boylan. I hate saying that Jim Boylan made a right decision, but I happen to agree with him in this case. But... It sounds like you disagree with me. It sounds like you most definitely disagree with Boylan on this specific topic. You think Kobe White should be starting, as do most Bulls fans, I would say, but I am definitely not one of them. So let's talk about it, Fred. Should Kobe White be starting? Well,
1: absolutely no. I agreed with you for the vast majority of the season. I didn't think Kobe White played that well. When you have three back-to-back-to-back games, when you're down to nine guys on the roster, what the hell are we waiting for? This is bizarro world, Mark. What are you talking about? Like, Hey, if Kobe White is in the long-term picture for this team, and obviously he is, that's they wouldn't have picked him at seven if he wasn't. What are we waiting for? He needs to spend every every minute that he has playing next to Zach Levine because that's going to be the backcourt and learn how to play with Zach Levine as soon as possible. This idea, like that, coming off the bench, I think it, what it's it goes back to Ben Gordon and all all the mantras. Well, Ben Gordon it helped Ben Gordon when he was a rookie. Ben Gordon's best two years as a Bull were as a starter. He averaged 20-plus points for two teams. Both those teams made the playoffs, the 06-07 team and the 08-09 team. Those were the uh, the two best teams that he, he was on, and he started the vast majority of those games. People who say that Ben Gordon was a bench player are morons. He wasn't. He was good enough to start. But unfortunately, he was penalized for playing so good as a rookie that they said he's a six-man. He's a six-man, and he won the six-man award. So it actually hurt him in his reputation. I see the same thing happening here with Kobe White. If Kobe White is everything that we believe he is, put him in the stinking starting lineup. I understood your point then. I agreed with you then. But at this point, what the heck are we doing, and what are we waiting for? Why are we trying to play Ryan A and 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 Shaq Harrison? Come on, man, let's let's move forward with with Kobe White
0: in the starting lineup. What say you? Well, my obvious counter to that is it doesn't really matter because the Roy the way Boylan is manipulating his rotations. Kobe White is sharing a lot of his court time at the moment with Zach Levine. So that is one point. And the second point would be that Kobe White is actually playing a lot of minutes. In that stretch of games, we had that three of, we had three games with 30 plus points. He was averaging 34 minutes a game. He was getting up 20 shots a game. His usage was over 30%. I mean, he was getting all the opportunities he needed. Very few rookies have been afforded the kind of opportunities that Kobe White has been this season. I've had a problem with that more generally to the point where Boylan has sort of let Kobe go off the chain and I haven't necessarily liked that. I would have liked to see him being reined in a little bit, to be honest with you. But over the last few weeks or more specifically the last few games... Kobe White has got has gotten the necessary opportunity to play minutes with Zach Levine, to get up shots, to run the offense, to do all the things people are asking him for to do. It doesn't really matter if he's starting or not. He's playing the crucial minutes. So I, I just don't get what the uproar is all about.
1: It absolutely matters. When you start, you're playing against the opposition's best players. And that's what he should Same be doing. Same thing when on. you close. What? Same thing when you close. Yeah, but wh- then why would you not want him to start? Uh, this is a bizarro world. Like... So what? Like, why? What? What is everybody afraid of? What is? I, I, I'm having these arguments on Twitter. You're gonna break his rhythm. There's nothing that takes breaks a rhythm more than coming off the bench. It's difficult to come off the bench. It's easier to start. It when you have 15 to 20 minutes of real time of not between when you took your last shot in warm ups to when you're coming in the game. That's difficult to do. That's why Kyle Korver had his worst uh, three-point percentage for the Chicago Bulls because Tibbs sat him till the middle of the second quarter. Now I'm not saying Boylan was would be dumb enough to do that with Kobe White, but Kobe White should be starting. When you have three out, when, when you're proved that you can score and you can play as good as you are, and you're sitting, you're playing behind two guys that belong in the G League, this is bizarre world. Now if it was Denzel Valentine starting, I I I understand the argument a little bit more. But we're talking about Shaq Harrison and Ryan A. These guys won't even be on the team in two years.
0: I don't disagree that they're not going to be on the team in two to three years, but uh, the point is that those guys have been—they're playing the Keith Bogans role where they're they're the nominal starters for defensive reasons. Let's say, particularly Shaq Harrison, but they're not closing halves to the point where, like I said today, then uh, against the Knicks and, and definitely the last few games, that Jim Boylan has been manipulating the rotations to ensure Kobe White is playing the last sort of six minutes of each half, so he's playing his minutes with with the starters and closing and learning in those valuable minutes. I didn't see the problem.
1: Let's start out with, let me start out with this question. What are you worried about? What is the problem here? Why do you
0: not want him to start? Well, think about when he, if he was to start with Zach Levine and I still want these games to be competitive, you want these games to be competitive, I'm assuming, but if you're starting Levine and White, then you're asking Boylan to stagger his rotation, something he hasn't done all season. And if he's not going to do that for Lowry and Levine, then he's definitely not going to do it for Kobe and Levine to that point where your second unit is Shaq Harrison, Ryan Archidiakono. Daniel Gafford, Adam Makoko, and a few other bums here and there. Your second unit is going to get absolutely tanked. And I know fans don't necessarily care about that. They don't necessarily care about the result at this point. But the people that do is definitely the players. So if you're Zach Levine, and you're Kobe White, and you're playing good in that first unit, then all of a sudden you go to the bench. The second unit gets gets uh, put into the game. They get absolutely crunched. The players are not going to like that. So I I prefer having the offensive ballot and balance at this point with Levine and White, going at it in the different units and then them coming together to close halves. So that to me makes sense. That's why I agree with Boylan on this specific topic. Like I said, I hate doing so, but I think it makes sense.
1: Well, I agree with one of your statements that the players want to win. You know what doesn't help winning? When you're down 17-4 to against Oklahoma City because you started a guy that doesn't belong in the NBA, and that's Ryan A. And you should have Kobe White starting. You know what else doesn't what sucks when you start out against the Knicks like you did tonight, because you have Shaq Harrison starting at the three at the three. I agree with you. I want to win. Kobe White is your best answer, is your best starter. And if that's your issue, then shorten the rotation. Don't play ten guys. Play six guys. Play seven guys. Not six. Play seven or eight guys. And stop playing Shaq Harrison. Stop playing Ryan A. If and and or or Spot your minutes a little bit better, but Mark, we were down seventeen to four against Oklahoma City, right? You remember that? I remember that. Well, wouldn't Kobe White probably would have helped? Maybe mitigate Possibly. those horrible Who starts. Knows? We've started Possibly. terrible with with Ryan A shooting twenty eight percent and twenty five percent from three in the games that he started.
0: Look, I understand that point, and I get that these guys are not good players and they shouldn't be starters. I'm not arguing that point. But I, I just prefer, I think the pros in this instance are, are more on the side of having Kobe come off the bench than having him start the games, just from a more holistic standpoint. I don't necessarily think that should be the case going forward in terms of into next season and beyond. If you want to start Kobe at, at point guard next season when Otto's back and healthy, or maybe if you've got a different small forward in place at that point, then that's a different conversation. But for right now... I I just don't agree with it, And I don't see the uproar. I would be annoyed if Kobe was still playing 20, 22 minutes, something like that. And Shaq and, and, and Archie Diakno was still logging heavy minutes at that point. But given that Kobe is getting off 20 shots per game, is playing over 30 minutes a game, playing 34 minutes per game over the last three games. I I just don't see it being really that big of an issue. I just don't.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to disagree vociferously with this and we'll just have to, to, to move on from it because, uh, Like I said, man, this season's a wasted time to me. And if if we're just going to continue to bring him off the bench, because his future is as a starter, and I want to see him start as soon as possible so he can get used to learning that role. It's different. It's a different role than what he is right now. I want him starting against the best players on the team. And not only that, I think it helps him and Levine. It helps their chemistry on the offensive end.
0: Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. Their their partnership in terms of two-man lineups have been absolutely destroyed this season. So, I mean, eh, again, the results may not matter that much, but that is a fact as well. But let's move on. I guess that is a bit of a segue into the next topic I wanted to talk about, and that has to do with if there's anything, I guess, left that's good to be learned over the final five to six weeks over the season. Maybe Kobe starting is one of those answers, but is there anything else beyond that that we can learn over the next five to six weeks that... I guess makes sense. Now I mentioned the schedule before how, how it's gonna to be tough coming up. That's obviously gonna be problematic. Who knows when Larry and Porter come back. If they come back at all, I'm assuming they will at some point during March. But are there any things that we should be watching as fans that we should be hoping to learn over the t- about the team over the next five to six weeks?
1: I wanna see Wendell Carter and Zach Levine in as much pick and roll as possible. I saw a little bit in the Q one tonight. I don't know if that's gonna continue. I, I you know, like I said, I didn't get a chance to watch the final three quarters. But I want to see wendell carter jr doing pick and roll with him and kobe as much as possible that's number one i think he's got a future as a pick and pop player i think he's got a much better jump shot than he's he's shown us so far uh we'll see how that goes uh i want to see him continue to develop as a rim protector shot blocker fantastic defensive player uh and i gotta see laurie come back like i this is the most frustrating part about this season is I kept on hearing, you know, well, if, if it was the playoffs, he would have been playing. Well, if that's true, why is he not back yet? This is over a month. Like, what kind of injuries? Who breaks their pelvis? Like, it, to me, it's almost, it's it's bizarre how this injury has just been reported and it's a four to six week injury. He needs to come back. He needs to play. And those four guys got to play as much together as possible. So we kind of have an idea like what this is. If he's out for the rest of the year, I think it's a major, major disappointment because we don't know what Larry Markkinen is. And I think you would agree, too. Like, I think this year has caused more questions than answers.
0: Yeah, 100%. And look, if Larry does come back and he happens to come back during that tough schedule that I mentioned before, then it's going to be even super – it's going to be so much harder for him to come back when he's trying to reintegrate himself into the lineup more generally. I mean, that's tough in, in itself, missing four to six weeks, two months it might be at that point. But then having to do that when you know you're not making the playoffs, playing against some absolutely good, great teams. I mean, that's going to be tough for Larry to reassimilate himself back into the lineup, back into the league and just get game fit again. So I want to see him back, but I don't, I don't have much faith that we're going to see, you know, a better version of, of, of Larry, of Larry this season. I think it's just going to be a bit of a write off season to the point where it's a wasted year for him. It's a wasted year for us as fans. Definitely most certainly the team, but I, I, I guess I want to see that. I just want to see them play as many minutes as, as they can together. I, I I don't want this this whole injury cloud to sort of loom over the team to the point where it's able to be used as a narrative towards the end of the season. I, I want to see this call for, if we want to call them that, who knows if they are, but let's call them that for the moment. I want to see them log at least 200, 300 minutes together, hopefully, if possible over the next sort of five to six weeks. Like, Cause that's probably the only good thing that we can learn over the next coming weeks is how these guy, how good are these guys individually, but how good, are, how good can they be as a collective? I, I want to answer that question as much as we can.
1: Agreed. And I want it against good competition. Rather, I'd rather play them good. I'd rather have those four guys play together against good teams in the garbage, you know, ruck at a Hesperus t- type of teams in the, in the, the bottom of the Eastern conference. So, I think this is a great opportunity, and he's got to get back, and and then so we could see how they play together. And Otto's got to get back too, because I do feel like, again, you know, his 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 being on that team, starting with that team, will help their development instead of hinder it. And playing guys like Shaq Harrison and out of position, it just doesn't help, man. It doesn't help. It's frustrating when uh, you know Shaq's guy peels off and doubles on another player and screws up plays. It doesn't help with development at all.
0: Uh, look, I certainly agree with that. And look, if, if Otto doesn't come back, you can be, be sure that he's opting into that deal and, uh, he'll be back next season at that point. But that probably may not be a favorable outcome for the Bulls. So if he doesn't come back, you can be sure that he's opting into that $28.5 million he is owed next season. But. Fred, I've had enough about talking about our bulls. I mean we've done a good 30, 35 minutes talking about our bulls. We 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 said this last week, but we can only talk so much bulls on this podcast because they're just doing our head in at this point. But we've we've done we've done what we've contractually needed to do at this point. We've talked about bulls, but let's talk about something else just to free our minds a little bit and just to just to cheer up our cheer up the mood a little bit. Maybe, I don't know, just just get our head in the right space, have us thinking about something else that isn't our Chicago Bulls. So we want to run with this segment that we did last week. What did we talk about last week, Fred? That was Star Wars. It was Star Wars. Oh, yes. That's what we it's talked beautiful.
1: about. Yeah. Actually, I recorded a great uh, bullseye that should go up sometime uh, this weekend or maybe Monday, Tuesday with Kevin Anderson where he gave us his top 10 scenes. Um, and I don't want to ruin the, the, but we we were in, we were simpatico on a lot of things and we both laughed at your uh, your anger at the
0: Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> we both well, I, I was definitely right. Yoda is terrible, but we don't have to relitigate that because I was clearly right. I, I won that, that argument. But Fred, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the best albums from 1991. You floated this idea last week because you are actually a trivia quiz master. So you wanted to pose this question today. And I think that we need to name this segment. And... On the Bulls Discord channel, which you still have yet to join, Fred. I, I'm disappointed that you still have yet to do that. But one of our loyal listeners, Dan for he he mentioned that we should name this segment Bullshite. So that's what it's going to be called. It's going to be called Bullshite, where we talk about shite that doesn't relate to the Bulls. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to talk about the best albums from 1991. So that's the kind of level of analysis, Fred, that you get in the Bulls HQ Discord channel. So you should join up, my friend.
1: Well, I was worried about... I, I, I was worried it was some kind of cult... And that you guys will be trying to sell me Amway products or something. But, uh, you used that joke last week. Oh, I did?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good last week. It's good this week. We might have some yeah, new yeah, listeners yeah. who missed it. And, right. Uh, maybe. So, so I, I am definitely going to join. I just got to find some time. Actually, I'll do it tomorrow. I promise you. Tomorrow I will join the Discord. And I'll, I'll, I'm excited to see what uh, awaits me in this uh, universe of mm-hmm. years that you've built.
0: I can't wait for you to be part of it, Fred. But let's talk about best albums from nineteen ninety-one. Uh, I I want to hear yours. I'm, I'm sure. I'm look. I'm I couldn't be more sure of anything that I'm going to disagree with your top five albums. But let's 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 run through it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it quick and sharp because I know I'm going to have some disagreements. Here. Okay. So you want my top
1: five? I want your top five. Okay. In order, so we'll go in order from five to one. Number five is uh um blood sugar sex magic red hot chili peppers one of my favorite albums i had that one
0: i had that one you do i've got that one where do you have it ranked? do you want me to tell you what it's ranked or not you can tell me where it's ranked i haven't ranked my top five i just picked five because to be honest with you i didn't really think 91 is a big year for music i I know that's a a contrarian opinion but i I i personally didn't like 1991 so i didn't rank them but i'm interested to hear where you had it ranked
1: i can't believe how many bad takes you have that this <laughs> you didn't think 91 was a great i'm just None. not f- floored um number four was th- this was very tough for me but i'm gonna go with metallica the black album is my number four which i love i uh, thought it's a very you know i, I i'm a huge metallica fan and i love you know ride the lightning all the stuff before that i loved one one was my favorite songs of all time i loved uh, all, all that stuff was great master Puffett's but um, this was a very good album. I know people, some Metallica fans, well, they went pop. Shut up. It's a great album. Great songs. Nice. Nah, it's, ah, it's fine. It's
0: a fine album. But it's it's just, it was it was tough to see them diverge that way. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's not tough. It was great. The
1: songs were so good. Uh, Unforgiven. Anybody who hasn't heard any of these songs, Unforgiven is one of my favorite Metallica songs. I highly recommend it. Showed a lot. Pales like in comparison to their first four albums. Probably true all right let's just keep on going with my list <laughs> i'm getting angry um number three is 10 by pearl jam i loved that album uh, i got to walk with eddie vetter uh at Lollapalooza. um the, the maybe it was a 90 it was the second lalapalooza i was a huge Jane's addictions fan i was at the first one i also went to the second one my buddy and i walked the entire world music theater with uh you know i was pretty young with Eddie Vedder and we spent the whole time there why probably we saw thousands of Pearl Jam fans walk right by us they had no idea it was Eddie Vedder it was one of the most amazing days of my life and we talked you you say walk
0: but do you mean stalk
1: no we walked (laughs) shut up we were we he was he, he was signing something and I went up to him I go Eddie uh, well, she goes, oh, you're the last. I was signing something. They have this, these sections where people were signing, you know, whatever it was. I don't even know what it was. Kind could have been my soul somewhere. And then I signed <laughs> it. And she's like, you're the last guy to sign it. And Eddie Vedder signed it. I go, really? He, and, she, and she's like, yeah, he was just here. I'm like, what? And then she points over to her, Oh, there he is. And I turned around. He had his hair in a hat. And he was super short. I was shocked how short he was. I'm six foot. He was probably, I guess, five, six, five, seven. Uh, and I went up to him, and, and he signed my thing, and and then uh, he left. And my other friend who was with me missed him, so we started walking back through the World Music Theater, the the the, the um, where people sit and stuff there on the lawn. And he was sitting in in the middle of about ten girls. And then I'm like, there he is, you know. And and then uh, my friend's like, oh, I gotta go talk to him. And then <laughs> and so he gets up, he starts walking away. My friend runs up to him, and he mumbled something. And uh, he said, hey, Eddie, can I just talk to you? And he walked right by him, and he mumbled something. And he he kind of looked at me, and he walked, and he walked about 10 more feet. And he turns around, and he goes, walk with me. And so it was me and on the side, and in the middle was Eddie Vedder, and my friend was on the other side. And we talked bulls, cubs, uh, beetles for about half an hour. It was one of the greatest days ever, man. He was super cool. I actually invited him to my house to play basketball.
0: Um <laughs> Did he say yes? I'm, I'm, I'm he never showed up.
1: Like- I, he never showed up, but <laughs> I gave him my address and everything. Because while like, well, you're in Chicago, man, I'm really good. Let's, let's go shoot. I love shooting threes. It was really good, really good talk. <laughs>
0: I'm glad to hear. So that was thank 10. you for sharing. Sh- thank you for sharing that story. I, I was hoping we'd have a story later on, but I appreciate that one just coming into the middle of it. But um, who else do you have on your list? That that was number 3, so was number three And then
1: number uh, 1 and 2 are is uh, Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion. 1 is number 2 and then Use Your Illusion 2 is number 1. So, right. people don't remember this, but back in that era when an album came out, um I actually went to the record store the night before it came out and waited. Uh, And then, you know, midnight it opened up and then I bought it and sprinted home and listened to it. It, People, that charm is gone now. People don't realize the excitement of that. And Guns N' Roses was so big and such a huge part of my life. I love that band. I listened to those two albums continually for about four months. And Don't Cry is a great song. There's a lot of great stuff on there. A lot of garbage,
0: but a lot of great stuff too. Are you a Guns N' Roses fan? Yeah, I mean, they're okay. They're okay. Oh, come on. Yeah. Look, okay. They're, One of the
1: they're best bands okay. Of all time. I mean, I, I
0: obviously respect their work and understand their place in history. Like like a lot of those albums you mentioned, I uh, they're not necessarily bands or albums that I would necessarily replay or listen to often, but I understand why they were important to to many people, including yourself, but I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan, no.
1: Well, I'm sad. Well, I can't wait to hear your list. What do you got on there, Uh <laughs> uh, talk, talk, laughing stock, or boys the men is that what you're gonna put on there? De La Soul? <laughs>
0: <laughs> simply no, no, read, no, simply definitely no stars. Boys to I bet.
1: Uh, I, I can I give you my I got I got three that barely missed the list.
0: Okay, honorable mentions.
1: Okay, Bad Motor Finger, Soundgarden, love that album. All right, okay, Do you like that one, what man. a singer, what a singer. not really
0: into that. I mean, he, he is, he's, he's an amazing singer, but again, not really into that band.
1: Okay. Out of Time by R.E.M., very underrated. Mm -hmm. I did like R.E.M. at some point, and I just got tired and a little nauseous with the self-righteousness, but everything else was pretty cool. (laughs) And then what was the other one I had?
0: Do not say U2. Do not say U2. Oh,
1: yeah. Octone Baby. So I was not – the thing is, though, I was not into them at that point. Um, I fell in love with U2 after 9-11. I saw a concert in October at the United Center. I wasn't even a U2 fan. Like I was, my brother got me the ticket and he's like, come on, let's go see him. They're a big band. I was like, ah, all right. Best live show I've ever seen. Amazing live band. Um, and then I became a huge U2 fan. All That You Can't Leave Behind, fantastic album. Then I got into Octone Baby. I love one, you know, a lot of great stuff on that album.
0: Ain't nothing but the real
1: thing, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah. What's Just, your list? Nah. I don't,
0: did you put it up somewhere? Can I see it? Yeah, you can see it. It's on our agenda, and I most certainly do not have U2 on there, that is for certain. But, um, look, I'm, I I don't like really the mainstream type of music. So I don't have Pearl Jam on there. I don't have Nirvana on there. I was surprised you didn't have Nevermind on there, because that's generally people's number one album of 1991. But, um, look, whilst, like I said, whilst I understand and appreciate their relevance to music and those sorts of things, it's not, it's not what I like to listen to. And for me, I typically, typically like to listen to like punk or metal. That was definitely what I was more into when I was younger. These days, I'm probably more into electronic music. So 1991 wasn't a good year for metal music. Electronic music wasn't necessarily t- taking off in 1991. So it wasn't well, It wasn't my year, I guess, is my point. Well,
1: wait, so I, I, let's go back to that time. Nine Inch Nails was pretty
0: big then, right? Oh, I don't know. Were they? But still, they're not my They're what not What about cup Ministry? Of
1: tea. Were you a Ministry fan?
0: Nah, I'm not into that industrial sound. That's, that's not my thing either. But uh, look, it, like I mentioned, it wasn't. It wasn't a good year for metal to the point where it was like in the 80s. I mean, you mentioned the Black Album, but that was just that was just a tough. If that's the best album in metal in the metal category that year, then it's a tough, 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 tough year. So 80s was when metal was the best. So how do you pick the 87, 88, something like that? Maybe 83, 85. That were better years, Fred. I wish I was kind of born in that era. But I had the Red Hot Chili Peppers Blood Sugar Set magic on my list i'm a big Chili's fan that one made my list which is kind of ironic given i said i don't necessarily like mainstream music but i do like the Chili's. but i had sepultura arise have you heard of them fred oh sepultura
1: yeah i've heard of them i can't even believe it's your top five i mean this is a joke i'd rather have <laughs> a great a, album come on i mean i'd rather have air supply on this list than that <laughs> <laughs> this is insane
0: so well, following in that theme the next the next one that i had on there is a, a melodic death band melodic death metal band i should say and they're called death aptly enough and they released an album in 1991 called human which was very 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 good so that made my top five as well so i had blood sugar blood sugar sex magic arise i had human but then i went a different path to the point where i went mainstream and, and i picked some legends here for it and i picked A Prince album, maybe not his best album, but Diamonds and Pearls was released in 1991. And I like anything Prince does, so it makes my list. And uh, finally, to round out my Type 5, again, not his best album, but considering I didn't really love, you know, U2 and Guns N' Roses and these types of bands. I'm picking Michael Jackson. I'm picking Dangerous. So that made my top five. My honorable mentions were Ozzy Osbourne, No More Tears, Stevie Ray Vaughan, The Sky Is Crying, and uh, Mister Bungle, Mister Bungle. So they're, they're my uh, they're my albums. I'm sure you uh, disagree.
1: Of course. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed with this list. I I actually think uh, Joyride by Roxette is actually better than two of the ones. What the heck is Death? I mean, what, I mean, check it out. This is check this it is, out. Check it out. I, I know what this is. This is like something when you were young, everybody has those <laughs> bands. I was into a band called uh, Urban Dance Squad
0: in I think 1989.
1: <laughs> they had a song called Deeper Shade of Soul. Sh- uh, Deeper, sh- Deeper Shade of Soul. Oh, was so good. They what is one it, some
0: some sa- synth pop band or something like that?
1: They were like a European rap band. I think they were from Holland. Um, Deeper <laughs> Shade of Soul. Everybody go to uh. find that song. It was a great song. And – you know, I, nobody else liked them, but it was like I was in a—I was in that stage where, hey, I loved I'm—I'm I'm onto this, and that's probably you with Death and Human, because this sounds like a joke. Death, really? Come on, Tough they're a great band,
0: pioneering well, metal just, band. I—I I, I suggest you check them out before you know you, you slag them off too hard. But just—just just check, check them, out. them out.
1: I will check them out. Michael Jackson, Dangerous. I mean, come on, Mark, this is an embarrassment. That's not even close <laughs> to his best album. Off the Wall was much better. Thriller was I, I certainly
0: better. didn't say it was his best album. I understand it was probably like, it might not even make his top five, but oh, look, I'm not going to put freaking ak Baby in there. I'm like, get, it, get out. You two, Bono can get stuffed. Let me give you another. Bono is worse than Yoda. Fuck,
1: <laughs> that is not true. Bono- you two has a lot of great songs, man. You got to go listen to Kite. Kite is one of the best songs of all time. Uh, and everybody who has not listened to it, go download it. For uh, Van Halen, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, very underrated album off of that year. Lean Into It with Mr. Big. Oh, another good one. Um, what else are we missing from that year I wrote down here? Skid Row, slave to the Grind. See, you got to go a little bit earlier in the year also. A lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a big Skid Row fan. I know a couple, I asked this question on Twitter, and a couple people came back to me with a few rap albums as well that were pretty iconic. That I again I know of and I appreciate their their stance in the in, in the music world in that era in 1991. But again, they just weren't my weren't my thing, not my style. But yeah, I mean that's that's the same with all the bands that you listed before. It's it's all subjective. It's just not my style. But I understand that they're big and they're relevant. Cypress Hill was out that year. That was a great yeah. Rap. Cypress Hill, very Cypress good Hill. rap
1: album. I, was, I really got into uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg and uh, The Chronic shortly thereafter. I think that came out like 92. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Gosh, I wish I have been prepared a little bit more. I just can't believe you came out with these songs. I'm like shocked. Oh, another one I had on my list. Lenny Kravitz, Mama Said. Great, Ugh.
0: great
1: yeah. album. Um nah. <laughs> What do you mean? No.
0: Nah. <laughs> just not. Just nah. Do you think people are happy that we're spending time talking about music clearly when we don't know anything <laughs> about it?
1: I know. I mean, we know nothing
0: about the Bulls, but we, we clearly know even less about music. Do you think the audience is, is riveted by this? I'm a music historian. I know so much about
1: music, <laughs> uh, and, and my opinions are always rock solid on this. So let me get to my story about music. I was but, but
0: before new- you do, Fred, before you do. Now, listeners of the show, look, obviously they know that Fred has been a longtime contributor to Bulls HQ, previously as a guest, and when he would come on as a guest. We would have him tell a story because Fred's stories are often funny, hilarious. They're embarrassing for him, but I'd take great pleasure in listening to them. To the point now, Fred, where you're a regular, I had a little bit of a jingle made up. So before you get into your stories, and we're going to try and launch into a story every other week or so, I want to run this jingle. So let's hit the tape. Gather round, children. It's time for a story
1: from our good friend, C. Red Fred.
0: Ah, uh, Fred, how good is that jingle? Do you like that one, mate? It's beautiful,
1: man. You actually did a great job on it. I'm very impressed.
0: <laughs> well, we'll be running that every time you need a story. So before, just just let me know when you want to to hear a story, uh, Bulls fans, and we'll, we'll we'll throw in a story here for, here for you, and Fred has plenty of them. But Fred, hit us up with your story for this week. So we talked about the great Metallica album, the Black album,
1: and one of the great songs off of there, Never Sandman. Uh, was a huge influence in my life. One of the big songs that I loved. The, one of the first songs I learned to play really well in guitar, uh, that kind of led to my incredible musician career as a, we went into that before. Let's not get into that. <laughs> it didn't end well. But when I went to college several years uh, later, we had a, uh, I went to a Catholic, uh, dorm, all guys dorm in University of Illinois and uh met a lot of great guys there and it was a girls all girls dorm next to it so it wasn't as bad as it sounds and uh there was a coffee house that they had where they would play it was like an open mic night that people (laughs) would go to on friday nights and people would sing you know kumbaya my lord a lot of these (laughs) religious songs and uh we would go to it and get a good laugh and then we'd uh we, we decided, you know what? Fred plays guitar. And then a couple of good guys like let's form a group. Let's do a song. And we were the last, the first coffee house we ever did. We did open mic. We did uh, Used to Love Her" by Guns N' Roses. You ever heard that song? Oh, maybe, love- maybe. The lyrics maybe, aren't know. really uh, great for a religious coffee house. And then we did uh, <laughs> Knock on Heaven's Door, which was a little bit more appropriate. Right. And so we were a huge hit. People were going nuts. Like it was great. They, hey, they brought a little rock here. And so the next month I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this up a notch. And I called my <laughs> two buddies from uh, Chicago to come down to U of I, Pat Kiner, who's one of the best guitar players in the world. Still playing today, uh, played, a, is just incredible guitar player uh, who plays anything Metal can do perfectly. And their drummer, uh, Tim, who was incredible. And they came down and we set up the whole, the whole gig. And, you know, like, Oh my god, the last band that's going to go at this coffee house is actually going to play, you know, Electrified. And we opened up with Enter Sandman, and I swear to god, the place almost exploded. <laughs> and I I still remember, I think it was a, a priest or one of the uh, religious officials in the back like screaming like, "No, shut, up down. shut it down. <laughs> shut it down." As we did ripped off in the Enter Sandman. In The whole place, man, it was one of the greatest scenes ever. We did that, we did, and we went right into uh, higher ground by the chili peppers. And really? it was incredible. We did, uh, um, and then we f- we actually did two chili pepper songs. We did, um, what was the uh, the other one we did? We, oh, um, Under the Bridge. What am I talking about? Under the Bridge, and then uh, at the end, we uh, did a uh, Jane's Addiction song called Stop, which is one of my favorites of all time. You like Jane's Addiction? Great, no, not song. really. Great band, you got to get in that band. But nah. by the time it was over, we had several people screaming at us, You'll never play the coffee house again.
0: <laughs> did you ever play the coffee house? Again? We
1: actually did. It's a very sad story. Oh. So, Tim, our drummer, um, as we were headed down to the gig, unbeknownst to us, he had like 10 shots before we went on, and as he jumped into the uh as he jumped down the stairs he actually hit his forehead on a a ceiling and required 10 stitches so while we were headed to the stage he uh was a bloody mess and (laughs) people were screaming horrified as he walked into the the coffee house and he ended up having to go to hospital so we (laughs) played without a drummer which did not sound very well when you're just you know doing trying to do like rock right um,
0: yeah, so you need your drummer. You definitely tra- need your
1: drummer. <laughs> we definitely need a drummer. So we actually tried off the cuff to do acoustic, and we said uh, we brought up my roommate, and I used to do um, "I Am a Rock" by Simon and Garfunkel. So <laughs> we went from doing Metallica to Simon and Garfunkel, and I forgot the whole, so- basically how to play the whole song. It was a complete disaster. So and ended up really that ended our career at the coffee house. But overall, again, that night was magical as we performed "Enter Sandman." Oh, my God. i just, I just still thinking about it now as as he started playing it. And, uh, oh, it's just so great. Mark, if you were there, you'd have been so proud of me.
0: If if those people were scared of you playing Enter Sandman, imagine how scared that would be if you were playing some melodic death metal like Death. Could you imagine that, Fred? <laughs> I,
1: I I can't imagine that. I can imagine people or just Sepultura wrong.
0: Arise, something off, something off that album. That would have been nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what, I got to tell you about our coffee house nights. I did get into a fight at one of those coffee house nights after we were over because the the drummer got drunk and he, he said, uh, yeah, what was he yelling at me? He was yelling at me, I'm going to kick his ass. He didn't let me wait. Maybe,
0: maybe think about this story and revisit. Let's revisit it next week because um, I, I want the best version of this story. It, can, it, sounds, it kind of sounds like you're trying to remember it from, you know, 40, 50 years ago, but maybe I'll let you can gather yourself and, <laughs> and remember the actual events. You got it. I'll, I'll bring no, that no, one man. back. But anybody. Fair enough. But you, uh, look, for
1: the listeners out there, if you really want to make, if you really want to make some noise in the world, you really want to get a, you know, get a crowd going at a coffee house.
0: Play Enter Sandman by Metallica sage words to end a podcast on i think that is a perfect place to leave this episode of bulls hq one where we've rambled about music for the last 10 to uh, last 20 minutes or so because you know what our bulls suck so we need other things to talk about so hopefully you enjoyed listening to fred and i talk music we clearly clearly know what we're talking about um but um if you liked that if you enjoyed that tune into next week of bulls hq where we'll be talking more bullshite more bulls a whole bunch of everything else but fred I i think that was uh that was fun for me listening to your uh, your stories and obviously your terrible top five list. But I appreciate you joining me on this episode, my friend. Tell people where they can follow you online.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it too, Mark. I gotta tell you. And hey, if anybody wants to ask me any questions about music, I would love to end all these shows with more music questions. Um, <laughs> what was the, the? Oh, you can find me at CBE Fred, Chicago Bullseye Fred at CBE Fred, and uh, I'll tell the end. I just remembered why he was yelling at me. Uh, <laughs> It's because he wanted to do a drum solo. He wanted to do the drum. Oh, never mind. Um, so at, <laughs> you can always email me questions at chicagobullseye at gmail.com. And then you also, uh, you know, Chicago Bullseye Podcast.
0: Perfect. You follow me online while you're at Bulls fans at MK Hoops. Follow the show too at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to send me an email, bullshqpot at gmail.com if you want to be part of the discord channel which fred is joining on this weekend hit me up on the email we will send you a link and you can be part of it too as fred is going to be doing so i appreciate everyone tuning into fred and i just talking our babbling nonsense this week uh it's been a lot of fun having fred be part of the show as we try to make some sense of this stupid bull season by trying to focus on some different topics as well so hopefully you're enjoying this and hopefully it's distracted you enough from our Our regular tough, tough programming that is the Chicago Bulls, but we'll be back same time next week. Thank you for tuning in. Speak then, Bulls fans.